0: How do you mitigate your risk? Montel's forecasting services cover risks from hours ahead to years ahead. We welcome you to hedge your market exposure with our diverse forecasting portfolio. Contact us at sales at montelnews.com for more info and a free trial.
1: Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast, bringing energy matters in an informal setting. This week's pod takes a closer look at Italy and its decarbonisation plan. The country plans to fully exit coal by 2025, but how much of a role will gas play going forward in a country that uses as well as transits North African gas? Italy also has ambitious plans for hydrogen and for renewables growth. However, the expansion of green energy has often been painfully slow due to lengthy permitting processes and a lot of red tape. So here to discuss these issues with me, Richard Sveresen, is Matteo Mazzoni of SNAM, Italy's gas transit operator. A warm welcome to you, Matteo. Thank you, Richard. And thanks for having me. We first met about 10 years ago, right, Matteo, when you were based in Bologna, uh, focusing on CO2, but now you're based in Milan and and mainly focused on, on gas. Isn't that right?
0: Partly right. Yes, it's right. We, it's been a long time. We've known each other and I was at the very beginning of the emission trading scheme. Mm. And, um, yeah, now I'm still looking at obviously everything connected to carbon and uh, the decarbonization process in Europe and around the globe, but, uh, working more on the, trying to work on the infrastructure angle. So working for uh, one of the, uh, most important gas TSOs in the world and mm. uh, trying to, to help Italy and the whole European Union to decarbonize and reach the, the net zero target by 2050.
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, the role of infrastructure here is absolutely crucial. Can you tell us a little bit, first of all, um, Matteo, about the the COVID situation in Milan uh, and in Italy more general? Is are things sort of improving? Are things coming back to normal?
0: It is likely. Let's say higher temperature and the, and the effort that we we made over the past months is kind of breathing a new life all over the country. There is a a will and there is a, a strong, you know, attitude of trying to go back to normal and try to. To regain somehow the time that we, we passed inside. Luckily, the numbers when we look at the COVID cases are supportive. We hope that uh, even, you know, the, the speeding up of the vaccine uh, will help to actually go back to some sort of normal life or something, which is, uh, let's say more open than, than (laughs) than the past few months
1: absolutely it'll be it'll be very nice to get back to some sort of level of normal life again i think but um matteo let's let's talk a little bit about you know the the more general objectives that italy has and its, its plans for decarbonization so so what are the targets and are these realistic so
0: if we look at the pieces of legislation and 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 its policy proposals that uh, at the moment you know shape the national the carbonization strategy. What we have is the, is the national energy and climate plan, which was submitted in 2019, which sets targets for 2030. So we have 33% GHC reduction, 30% renewable and, uh, and, and, and target for energy efficiency, which will be probably amended and updated in, in the coming months since we, we are moving to a new paradigm of the European Union agreed to, to step up the, the challenge and so increase the targets with the Green Deal by 2030. Alongside that, at the end of last year, the government sent to Brussels the long-term strategy, which is the, the first document that actually looks at 2050 in trying to envisage a pathway that would lead us to a net-zero economy by then. And in that sense, uh, we have the first attempt that was done politically to to actually design some sort of you know process and even you know setting the first guidelines to actually show the way and try to let's say embark in a common process with with other european countries in trying to be net zero by 2050 another important policy proposal that was published last year and we are now waiting for the for the final piece of legislation is that the guidelines on the uh, national hydrogen strategy, uh, where the government set target of having up to 2% of final energy demand met by hydrogen by 2030, with target of having up to five gigawatts of electrolyzer capacity installed by 2030. That's projected in 2050, that target raises to up to 20% of final energy uses.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a 20%. Um, so that's quite ambitious there. Italy has already submitted an application for, for funds from the EU as part of the, the, the wider EU recovery fund. What does that envisage? Is there now suddenly potentially a lot more funding for hydrogen and for other projects in the country?
0: Yes, hopefully. I mean, that's the, that's the plan now. It's um, obviously all the funding connected to the the recovery plan is linked to the to the actual implementation of projects. So there is now the time, which is obviously the, the most challenging one, which is the implementation of all measures and uh, and, and proposals that was uh, that were part of the document that was submitted to Brussels. But definitely, I think that the, the effort that was made by the government goes in the right direction. Sustainability and the, the energy transition are both a pillar of the of the recovery plan as they should be. And it meets all the criteria and also it sends the, the right message to private companies, investors and, and the whole and the whole society that that is where we should be focused on.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, we recently reported on laws passed in Italy for just trying to speed up some of the the permitting processes and to cut red tape. I mean, how how do you see this going forward? Will this result in quicker uptake or quicker expansion of of renewables, including hydrogen?
0: I think that that's the effort the government is carrying out at the moment is is facing. And then what what they are trying to do is very important. There is a need to streamline the whole authorization process and, uh, you know, to, to spur uptake of new investments and as I said the implementation part is always the tricky one because there are a lot of things that you know can go wrong and can you know slow down the whole process but I think that what is going on at the moment and what the message and the activity and and, and the effort put on this offer new opportunities for investment in green projects from going from renewables up to hydrogen and as NAM, obviously we, we are taking an active role in this. We want to, to help the country to actually go in that direction to promote its support and development of the support the development of the full value chain. So for example, we have already started different projects on mobility, you know the conversion of train to hydrogen or fueling stations. We work with industrial partners on, the, on you know, hard-to-abate sectors like the steel. Actually, we we recently carried out the first-of-a-kind project of blending up 30% of hydrogen in a steel mill just outside Milan. Mm. And obviously, we took part directly in, into some of the, on the supply side, we were part of, you know, our partner with the Nora, which is a, Supplier of uh, electrolytes for uh, electrolyzers, and we also jumped into a partnership with ITM, which is also manufacturing electrolyzers. And this is part of what we we think it's there should be a common effort, joint forces that uh, you know trying to overcome all the different barriers that at the moment green investments are facing.
1: No, absolutely. Now, obviously, SNAM has a crucial role to play here in terms of the infrastructure. And is the infrastructure ready now or is there going to be some way to go before it could be ready for an uptake uh, of of pure hydrogen? Will it need to maybe blend with natural gas as well? What What's the outlook here, Matteo?
0: So what we, we carried out an assessment of our, of our network in Italy and um, the result was somehow very positive because up to 70% of our network is already mm. hydrogen ready. We're working on bringing that number to uh, 100% in the coming years. And now we have started a project with RINA on certifying our grid. And just today, we announced the signing of a contract for the supply of roughly 400 kilometers of high-pressure pipes that could transport up to 100% of uh, pure hydrogen in the coming years. So we know that for the development of each market infrastructure plays a critical role and and we want to be there in order to you know speed up the process to set the ground for hydrogen to be part of of the transition already in the next years
1: Cost is obviously important here but you know is italy ready to receive imported uh, hydrogen is that likely to be more an option or, or is it going to be more home produced or or a mixture of the two
0: i'll go for the mix <laughs> of the two <laughs> if i yeah. if i could choose I mean, the, the, there is a target. The government set five gigawatt electrolyzer capacity target by 2030, which will obviously be part of, you know, will contribute to meet the two percent of uh, hydrogen demand by 2030, which roughly is we are talking about 700 kilotons mm-hmm. of hydrogen. If I, you know, doing some some calculation, and uh, I can tell you that probably those five gigawatt won't be enough to actually meet that demand. So we, we will need additional sources of green hydrogen or low-carbon hydrogen. I mean, there might be a mix of different sources. And, uh, and we are very interested in trying to, to look for possibilities of uh, having you know, cost-competitive green hydrogen from our neighboring countries. We know, that, I mean, it's not a secret, that uh, we are connected with, uh, with Northern Africa. And uh, there is a huge potential potential of solar resources and, and hydrogen that uh, could come from uh, from those regions and and potentially you know use reuse part of the network that uh, connects the the two areas mm-hmm. of the Mediterranean Sea.
1: So both in terms of um, electricity and and gas. So you know eventually potentially you know importing hydrogen or green hydrogen from North Africa. But that raises the question here, Matteo, what what's the role of blue hydrogen? You know, and there's a lot of Things said that it could be bridging, but really, you, we need to be go towards the green or low carbon varieties. So, what role should blue hydrogen play in in the energy transition here?
0: I think that, uh, I mean, from my point of view, all sources that could help us in, in lowering our carbon f- footprint and and so and lowering the carbon intensity of our consumptions should be should be used. In a timely and competitive way, trying to assess, you know, what is the optimal combination of options that we have in front of us. And obviously, blue hydrogen. If we look at the numbers and we look, we look at the economics, quite interesting opportunity of being a complementary source with with green hydrogen in 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 the next years. We know that it's let's say. It offers the advantage of being, you know, programmable, so more flexible to accommodate fluctuations in demand and conserve different, different uses. But what you said is, is, is completely right. In the long term, the, the major role should be played by green hydrogen because even the economics, they point all in favor of green hydrogen being, let's say, cost competitive with, with, with other sources and cheaper than blue hydrogen. And on top of that, additionally, we need to consider that blue hydrogen brings about the CO2 storage component, which is not, you know, so abundant everywhere. So it's sort of limit for blue hydrogen that, apart from social acceptability, which may vary country by country or region by region, but we know that the possibility to store CO2 is limited to a number of countries. So somehow this you know, restricts the number of countries that actually have that as a, as a possibility, as an option, unless we see a, a future for uh, shipping CO2 elsewhere. I mean, this is not unrealistic. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a possibility. I mean, if we, if we look at some projects that already are under development in Northern Europe, this is, uh, this is far from being you know, impossible. But obviously, it brings another cost in, into that.
1: Yeah, it is very costly, isn't it? That's the problem, and and the social acceptability of it is, is also even in the in northern Europe is quite, um, yeah, it's not always there. But uh, to stick with the, the discussion on on costs here. I mean, that's the crucial part here. And you mentioned the economics of, of green hydrogen that will be there. But how long do we have until it becomes, you know, cost effective? And and what could be done to bring costs down? Are we talking, you know, basically scaling up? Or are we talking, you know, some kind of subsidy situation or support in terms of carbon contracts for difference? Or, you know, what, what is needed to bring these costs down so it can really... Develop beyond this sort of embryonic and this planning stage to actually materialize? Difficult question, Matteo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put you on the spot a bit there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: pretty evident that right now the main limit is the, the cost of electrolyzers. But we know that, and we have seen that with other technologies, that once you start scaling it up, once you start adopting it, then the costs come down pretty quickly. Usually. Quicker than everybody expects. For hydrogen, we know that, uh, that there is a sort of you know, a threshold, which is the somehow position at 25 gigawatts of electrolyzer capacity installed worldwide. That is that let's say what is needed to bring the cost of producing hydrogen around $2 per kilo in most favorable regions. We know that in Europe, at the moment, there are already roughly 30 gigawatts of capacity, of electrolyzer capacity, which are part of national strategies. And roughly there are let's say 50 gigawatt of projects announced worldwide. So that treasure is already inside. We know that we can we can actually approach and reach that $2 per kilo, which is somehow the critical tipping point to, to, to actually make hydrogen competitive against, you know, fossil alternatives. And as NAM, we are part of a consortium of a coalition of private companies called the Green Hydrogen Catapult, which has the aim of accelerating the scaling up and the production of green hydrogen in the next years with the goal of having 25 gigawatt of green hydrogen projects by 2026. So a 50-fold increase in the next six years. So this is doable. I think it's now there are other companies that, let's say, uh, along the the whole value chain from suppliers to to, to consumers. And looking at data and and the renewable potential in Europe, I think we, according to to the analysis that we carried out, we could approach the two euro per kilo by 2030 already in some part of Europe. And especially, you know, if I look at Italy's south of the country is like the right candidate to offer such opportunity, and that level could be reached even sooner in uh, solar abundant countries like the ones that I, I mentioned before. I mean, if we look at Tunisia, Nigeria, Egypt, Morocco, the northern part of Africa, or even you know, we you've read on news that in Saudi Arabia that they, they, they are already starting to emphasize to. To invest into hydrogen production facilities with the aim of bringing the cost down to two years two dollar per kilo I would say it, it will come sooner than everybody expects today there is an effort that should be taken into account and there are all the different conditions that should somehow be put in place in terms of you know how you incentivize also the end users to actually switch from one method of producing and consuming energy to another one because obviously you don't just need you know hydrogen to cost two euro or even less per kilo and you need to change you know production facility consumption facilities or you know even industrial facilities which as we all know they they have you know cycles of investments which are very stretched long pretty long time frame so
1: but if you, if the incentives are in place for these kind of industries to to change their processes, then perhaps that sh- that should also help. But uh, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. I think you know we'll see maybe this race to to bring costs down to two dollars a kilo is is going to be interesting to see how it how it progresses, especially uh, you know with a huge amount of projects in the pipeline. I mean, almost a day. You know, we see several projects being announced almost every day. So not all are going to be successful. So I think it's it's a very exciting space, and I think it's you know as we mentioned earlier, I think the role of infrastructure companies like Snam is of, of crucial importance here to bring to distribute and to su- supply the green fuel there. But Matteo, if we can just finish off with talking about so where does this place the role of natural gas uh, and and Italy's consumption of natural gas and and the demand for the fuel going forward? I know that. You know, Italy has very, you know, its plans to fully exit coal power by 2025. What what kind of plans does it, or where does it see gas evolving in in the same time frame?
0: That's a good question. I think that um, the short to term outlook is, uh, is is rather strong for net gas consumption. If we look at the number of the, the first months of 2021, what we can say is that we are we have already shrugged off the falling consumption. Experience last year, demand from power gen is already back at you know uh, level seen in 2019, and is projected to remain quite strong in the coming years, thanks to the the phasing out of uh, of coal, and also to um, you know higher carbon prices, which are somehow levelizing the cost of power across Europe. So that spread, for example, the spread between power prices in Italy and and continental Europe. Is narrowing right now, so there is a natural tendency to, to, to favor local production, not always imported from uh, from neighboring countries. So this is uh, uh, rather supportive. If we look at other sectors like industries, the economic recovery is set to support uh, industrial production, hence gas consumption, and an interesting trend. Which I'm very curious to uh, to analyze and see how these unfold is related to the change of working habits. As I said, I mean the the pandemic, mm. you know, forced us to to work remotely. These last year resulted in, in in somehow higher gas demand from buildings because we we are all at home, <laughs> and mm. um, it, it will be interesting to see to what extent. We will see a reversal of these, or just you know, a new trend shaping in the coming years. And this is, let's say, it, this is the kind of outlook I would say for, for for the midterm. In the long run, as as we were saying, we need to decarbonize consumption of all of these sectors. Uh, there are different options on the table when we look at uh, you know gas consumption. Obviously, the first option is to replace it with Green gas, so biomethane. We have a, a, a huge potential of biomethane production in Italy, which, again, as as Nam, we we are fully committed to to help the country and help private operators to fully develop and connect all new facilities in order to to transport biomethane on on our grid. At the same time, we know that hydrogen will play a role. And in order to not just to reach every consumer and to make them pay the same price, we need the transport grid to to do it, but also to connect with other countries. Because as you said, there is a connection with with Northern Africa and there are connections with other countries. We we strongly believe that Italy can be an app in that sense and facilitate the the emergence of a, a European hydrogen market because obviously, we, you don't need just consumption. You need to create a market in order to to, to make it possible and, and to, to lower the cost for everybody of accessing to the same source.
1: Absolutely. Matteo, thank you very much for joining the Montel Weekly Podcast. Good luck with all these very ambitious plans. And, uh, you know, I hope to be able to come out to Milan and uh, share a cup of coffee with you or something uh, before too long. So once again, thank you very much. Thanks to you for your invitation and I look forward to that. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or you know, let us know if you, if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.